Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God. You are our blessed rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, we are in our uh, second week of a sermon series called I Choose, uh, which we're, we're going to be taking four weeks. Yes, we are still going to be taking four weeks, even though we missed two, uh, to take a look at, at some of the choices that we're going to have an opportunity to make in this new year uh, that have the power to shape who we are at a deep level. Because ultimately, who we are is, is a result of the choices that we make over time. Um, and in the first week of this series, of, a couple weeks back, we talked about uh, seeking God's purpose for your life over your own personal prosperity. And one of our, our key takeaways from that sermon was this, that finding God's purpose for your life is as simple as humbly seeking to serve God in whatever ways you can, wherever God has placed you, with whatever gifts God has given you. Which leads us to the choice that we're going to talk about this week, which is surrender versus control. Uh, because in order to humbly serve God, you, you first have to be willing to surrender control of your life to Him. And this can be difficult, especially if you're the, the type of person who likes to be in control. Uh, I'm a, a firstborn, and as such, I'm a bit of a, a perfectionist and a control freak. Can I get an amen from any other firstborns this morning? Yeah? Amen? Okay, glad to know I'm not alone. Um, so growing up, uh, my perfectionistic tendencies would sometimes drive my parents crazy uh, because I had very strong opinions on how everything should be, even if I had no idea what I was talking about. Anybody ever have a kid like that? Um, so I remember one time in particular uh, when my dad was teaching me how to change the oil on my car for the first time. Um, you know, I just turned 16 and, and thought I had the world pretty well figured out. And uh, we were getting ready to, to drain the oil from the engine, so my dad told me to put a drain pan underneath the car to, to catch the oil. So I climb underneath the car, and I put it directly beneath the drain plug, thinking that that was the most logical place to put it. You know, if you're draining the oil, it should be directly beneath the plug. And when my dad saw what I was doing, he said, you know, you're going to want to put that about a foot behind the plug, uh, because, of course, what I didn't realize is that instead of trickling out of the oil pan on the car, it comes out pretty fast, so it shoots out about a foot behind the plug. But I, being the humble, wise, and submissive 16-year-old that I was, said, that's ridiculous. Why would I do that? The oil's going to go all over the floor if the pan isn't directly beneath the plug. So I crawl underneath the car, and my dad, just instead of continuing to argue with me, just kind of steps back and says, all right, go ahead. So I crawl underneath the car and, and unscrew the drain plug, and I've got the oil pan right there underneath it, and surprise, I get a lap full of oil. I mean, it was just all over the place. So I'm frantically scrambling to move the drain pan back to the right spot, but of course, by that point, it was too late. And so I'm sure my dad was laughing hysterically on the inside as he watched me crawl out from underneath the car, just covered in motor oil. And it was kind of one of those moments where, you know, he didn't even have to say, I told you so, because I knew it. And I just kind of looked at him, and he looked at me. I realized in that moment, much to my chagrin, that my dad just might, maybe, know what he's talking about. Amazing. So I have to imagine that some, sometimes God takes the same approach to us when we try to take control of things in our lives. You know, whether it's that new job that, that you're just convinced that, you're supposed to take, 
Or, you know, that thing that you're thinking about buying that you're convinced will make your life so much better. Or, or that course of action that you're convinced that you're supposed to pursue. You know, when we try to take matters in our own hands without consulting God first, I believe God, like, like a wise and loving parent, will sometimes just kind of step back and say, okay, go ahead, and allow us to learn it the hard way. And if we are wise, unlike my 16-year-old self, we'll realize that, that we don't always know what is best for our lives, and God does. Because behind a desire to be in control is the pride that, that we think we know what is best for our lives. And, and this goes straight back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve ate the, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You know, they, they could have eaten from any other tree in the garden, but they chose to eat from the one tree that God told them not to eat from. And why? Because they thought they knew better than God. So how do we overcome this tendency to want to wanna be in control and choose to surrender our lives to God? Uh, our reading for this morning gives us a, a few suggestions. So uh, I want to invite you to go ahead and just open your Bibles up to uh, James chapter 4. Um, and you have uh, Bibles in front of you in your pews if you didn't bring one. Um, you're also welcome to use your electronic devices. And if you do, go ahead and check in on Facebook and let people know you're here this morning. It's a good way just to get the word out about Armstrong. Uh, but let's go ahead and open our Bibles up, and uh, we're just going to walk through this uh, together this morning. Uh, the, the letter of James is possibly the oldest book in the New Testament, uh, dating back to around 44 AD, which was uh, shortly after Jesus' death and resurrection. And uh, it's written in the name of James, the half-brother of Jesus, to early Jewish Christians. Um, and uh, in this part of his letter, James is, is writing to his audience about making plans. Uh, and he's particularly writing to the business people in his midst. Um, because traveling merchants and, and tradespeople were actually integral to the spread of the gospel in the early church because they could support themselves wherever they went. Uh, so, for example, the, the Apostle Paul had leatherworking skills, which meant that he was able to support his own missionary endeavors by working with leather wherever he found himself. And likewise, there, there were some in this early group of Christians that James is writing to who were also entrepreneurs. And James has a word of caution for them. In verses 13 and 14, he says, Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So apparently some of these business people had gotten a little overconfident in their ability to provide for themselves even to the point of being boastful about it. And James is saying, all right, gut check time. Nothing in this life is certain or permanent, so don't live like it. Because to live like you are ultimately in control of your life or your destiny is to ignore the one who truly is. And that's a problem in living like we call the shots on our lives. You know, we can act like we're a self-made person, and, and we can live like we're in control of our own well-being, but ultimately, we, we don't even possess the ability to guarantee ourselves tomorrow. James compares our lives to a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. 
Another translation of that word is, is vapor. Uh, so so don't, don't even think of a, a mist that uh, you know, might settle in the morning and then is gone after sunrise. Think even more temporary than that. So think about like the vapor that escapes from your mouth when you can see your breath when it's real cold outside like this morning. It's just, and then it's gone. And James is saying that's, that's how fragile and temporary your earthly life is. Nobody is guaranteed tomorrow. And maybe that's what makes the notion of control so alluring. Because the more we realize just how little we control, we, we try to take control of what little we can. You know, whether it's people or situations or possessions or jobs or, or, or even something as trivially, trivial as our appearance. And then time after time, we learn the hard way that, that we are in fact not in control. But the thing is, we, we don't always have to learn things the hard way. James tells us that, that there are actually two ways that we can avoid ignoring God and start taking steps towards surrendering our lives to Him. And number one is simply to submit your plans to God. Verse 15 says, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. The message translation puts it another way. If the master wills it and we're still alive, you know, in other words, if, if, if we wake up tomorrow, we're going to go do this or that. So, so James isn't telling us not to make plans. He's just telling us to hang on to our plans loosely. Because we can make plans all day, but, but ultimately it is God's will that will be accomplished whether we acknowledge it or not. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. This is why James tells us to preface everything we do with the phrase, if it is the Lord's will. Now, he's not just giving us a legalistic little rule that, you know, we, we always have to say that or we can plan whatever we want and then as long as we preface it with the phrase, Lord willing, that, that God will bless it. But, but rather, he's talking about just a complete shift in attitude that's required of people who profess to place their faith in Jesus Christ. What James is talking about is, a, is a, just a humble willingness to say, you know, I might have my plans, and that's okay, but I will ultimately only do what God wills, and I won't do what He doesn't. And this is why Jesus taught us to pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done. You know, every time we pray that Lord's Prayer, which we do every Sunday here, we're relinquishing control of seeking our kingdom and our will and surrendering our hearts and lives to God and His will. And this doesn't mean that, that we shouldn't have hopes or dreams or plans for our lives, but it does mean that, that we should surrender all of those to God and fully trust that whatever becomes of those hope, dream, hopes, dreams, or plans, God is good and He's going to provide us with all we need to accomplish His will for us. Which leads us to the second way that, that James gives us to avoid ignoring God and surrender our lives to Him, which is refrain from being boastful about your plans. Verse 16, As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Now, boasting in your plans looks like talking about your life as if you control it. You know, as if you're a completely self-made person and are the only cause of your own well-being. 
And this can be as simple as taking credit for something instead of giving glory to God. You know, saying things like, well, those record sales we had this year were thanks to that brilliant idea I had. Or I scored that deal thanks to my great bargaining abilities. Or, you know, if it weren't for me, this whole family would fall apart. You know, they, they just couldn't get along without me. And that kind of attitude is also usually accompanied with a tendency to blame others when things go wrong. You know, saying things like, well, you know, I just wish you, you wouldn't have said that. Or, you know, if you wouldn't have spent that money, we wouldn't be in this mess right now. Or, like me, you know, you let me put the drain pan in the wrong spot. It's not my fault I'm covered in motor oil, Dad. Right? But if we're humble and wise, we're going to trust God in the bad and give God all the credit and glory in the good. This means choosing to take a, a posture of surrender instead of posture of control in our lives. And instead of taking credit for, for everything that goes right and, and blaming everything that goes wrong on someone else, we instead choose to trust God in all things. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. You see, in order to discover the life that God has for you, you, you first have to trust Him in everything instead of leaning on your own understanding or opinions about how you think things should be. You know, instead of operating on, on what we think is best, we're, we're called to ask God what God thinks is best. That means just daily humbling yourself before God and asking for His guidance and wisdom in every situation. Having, having this ongoing dialogue with God as you seek His will for your life. And through this ongoing process of, of humbling yourself before God and surrendering your will to Him, Proverbs tells us that, that God will make your path straight. You know, instead of constantly wondering whether or not you're doing the right thing or, or making the right decision, you're going to have this, this constant assurance that as long as you're surrendering your life and your will to God, God is going to take care of the rest, no matter what happens. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, understood this truth as well, even though he was about the most type A person you would ever meet. Uh, left to his own devices, John would have been an absolute control freak. But instead, he used his naturally controlling tendencies for God's glory. John kept what he called an exactor diary, uh, in which he tracked his use of every minute of every day to make sure that he was making the best use of his time in serving God. He was fastidious about his spiritual disciplines, prayer, scripture reading, worship, fasting, etc. Every day, John sought to do everything within the realm of his own control to live in a way that honored God. And I believe one of the main things that, that kept John's controlling tendencies in check was prayer. John spent a lot of time on his knees. In fact, he spent so much time on his knees that he had a room in his house in London that, that was devoted specifically to prayer. Uh, I got to spend some time in that room on my recent trip to England back in October. Um, and I actually have a couple pictures. So, so here's me uh, nerding out in front of Wesley's house because I'm about to go into John Wesley's house. Um, and uh, then the next picture is actually of his prayer room. Um, so that's kind of, I, I don't think that was the original 
little table that he had in there, but it's like what he would have had in his prayer room. Um, and on that table, they, they had copies of uh, the Wesleyan Covenant Prayer, uh, which you all have in your bulletins. It's this little insert right here, um, if you all want to just kind of take a, a look at that. Um, but uh, I kind of got to just spend some time in that room and, uh, and pray that prayer. Um, and uh, what it is, it's a covenant, an agreement uh, between you and God that, that you are no longer in control of your life and that you choose to surrender everything to God's will. And we're going to have an opportunity to pray that prayer together in a moment, but for now, I, I just have a question for you. Who is the main character in your story? Who's the main character in your story? Is it you or is it God? So I believe how you answer that question says a lot about who is in control. Because one of the most life-giving truths you could ever acknowledge is that your life is not about you. Your life is not about you. Rather, it's about playing a small part in the much larger story of redemption that God has been writing for thousands of years. And being a part of God's story requires us to, to trade our old story in for the new one that God offers us through the grace of Jesus. That's why Jesus said if any wish to be his followers, they must deny themselves, die to their old story, take up their cross, and adopt a new story, following after him daily. On the cross, Jesus showed us what it looks like to, to live and die for something larger than yourself. Jesus showed us what it looks like to, to choose surrender over control. As he hung there, beaten and bloody, people mocked him saying, you know, if you really are the Son of God, why don't you come down off that cross? And in a grand display of power, Jesus very well could have, but he didn't. Why? Because he knew that his life and death were part of that larger story and served a larger purpose. And so he chose to humble himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This year, let's look to the example of Jesus and choose surrender over control. As a step in that direction, I'd like to uh, us to join together in, in praying this Wesleyan Covenant prayer. And uh, if you're not ready to, to take this step of surrendering control of your life to God, I would encourage you not to pray this prayer yet until you're ready. Because it's a, it's a serious covenant agreement between you and God. But, but if you're ready to surrender control of your life to God and, and enter into agreement with Him, that He now calls the shots on your life and not you. I invite you to join me in praying this prayer. Let's pray together. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. 
I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. In the covenant now made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Now that we've prayed that prayer together, um, I just in- encourage you to, to just take this little printout and hang it somewhere in your house where you're going to encounter it regularly. And make it a practice to, to pray this prayer on a, on a regular, if not a daily basis, just as a reminder of who is in control of your life and as an act of submission to God and His will for you. So that this year, by God's grace, we might choose surrender over control. Amen? Amen.